Hello? Uh, hello? Can you hear? This okay. is Rhonda. Yes, I am. All right. We are here then. Okay. I don't know what was happening before, but yeah. <clears throat> here we go. Welcome. Thanks, for, we thanks for coming on and talking with me. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I want to thank you for having this dialogue today. Ah, yeah, it's much. Uh, it's been a theme. It's been a theme lately, so I'm going to actually um, see who's listening. So, I want everybody to know, for our listeners, uh, the guest that we have on today is my big sis slash grandma slash auntie slash mentor, all of that, is Rhonda the Thought Healer. Familiar. She is a single. Matter of fact, introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. I am Rhonda Leverson. I am a spiritually initiated Sangoma. The Sangoma is the one who hears the ancestors, the one whose position is to keep the tribe together. All right, you heard it first. So y'all get a feel for what this episode is about to be about. Um, we're talking about sisterhood. Um, is a personal, slight personal presentation for a movement that I'm kind of curating behind the scenes, Sisterhood of the Traveling Souls. Um, and I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a woman, you know? And I just feel like this is something that we're all going through um, or should be paying more attention to how we're going through and what we're going through when it comes to sisterhood. Um, so before we get into that, is there anything else you wanted to uh, share about yourself, Rhonda? Just a quick bio besides what you gave already, or we can just jump into the um, Well, Let's just jump into it right now. So, first question is, are you a sister of any in your, like, blood family for our listeners? I am a sister. I am a firstborn sister with my mother. Mm -hmm. I have two sisters younger than I. And I am a secondborn sister with my father. (coughs) Secondborn. So, you got... You got big sister and you got baby sister going on. No middle. Middle. Yeah. Oh yeah, you said second, so that means there's somebody after you. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, what was that like growing up? Um, was your family more blended, um, <coughs> as in like your no, during those, absolutely not. No. During those times, I was born in 65. Mm-hmm. So that would have been in the 70s where we're considering where the blends usually would be happening today. But no, there was no acknowledgement or no partnership teachings, no dialogue during that time. It was, you shouldn't like that person if that person shared a person with you. Dialogue was happening then. Mm-hmm. So here we are now, you know, as grandma and I'm to teach partnership unity. But when you're young, you don't know. First time parent, sometimes second and third time parents, you don't know that you're not teaching partnership. um, 
because you have to have. Are you moving around the line? It's mm-hmm. going in and out. No, I'm standing still while my hands are moving. All right, when we're... I can unless you want. No, I can't put it on speaker. Yeah, I tried that. This is like the only way. Actually, it just really. It did. <laughs> <laughs> so is that better? Yeah, that is better. You sound clearer. Okay, cool. As you were. Well, as I was, I think I was saying, my point is, well, no matter what I was saying, my point is going to end up being without the partnership, the unity, all of the, all of these times are indicative, are end results, products of all of us stemming from a lack of partnership Mm. training. And it's off now. That is some truth right there. Let me tell you. I'm pretty sure all that listen can take what she just said and reflect that onto any area of your life and relationships and see where that lines up for you. And it actually goes to the next question I was going to have was what was the actual experience like for you? Um, especially when it came to siblings and sisters, um, not having that partnership and unity? Well, because of the lack of partnership and unity and my parents and their parents and grandparents, Mm -hmm. my parents divorced when I was five. Mm -hmm. And I I lived with my father instead of my mother and my sisters. And my and I didn't even know that I had another sister out there until I I think I used to see this girl in school and I we would wave to each other but we had not met. Wow. And one day I went from school and her picture was on top of the TV. Wow. And I said, "You got a picture of my friend." Wow. And he said, "That's not your friend. That's your sister." Hmm. So, you know, that was my experience. Yes. But I I can't remember how I related it then. I just remember that dialogue of life. I think I've said that part many times. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's the part that everybody needs to hear then. (laughs) Yeah. But not only was I not knowing my sister, but imagine all the other children in that school just in that school, even in that class, th- that I did not know that were related to me tribally right. because of no partnership extending to us. Oh my gosh, the depth. You see? So not, oh, not only in my time, but your time, let's go to your time and the now mm-hmm. time, when we know there's so many children out there who don't know that they're siblings, but so many who just don't know they're cousins and they think they're not related. Yeah. But if, if you're acting like the person who is acting like you, you are related in your denial of each other. Oof. Mm, snap. That was nice. Same thing for tribal members too. Right there. Mm. You see? So if we all are evolving in our 
predestined perfect processes of denial of not knowing ourselves each other then we get to another level of acceptance of something that has made us forced us to become more accepting because we denied it when it was appeared further away from us Ooh, when it appeared but now it's next door in our homes now we see what somebody meant when they said help me Mm. And it still all stems from the same thing. No partnership. <coughs> Confirmation. But you have to be consistent, not just say I like or I want to help this group here. You have to be consistent in order for it to spread. Mm -hmm. Because it's something that not one person can't do alone, but they can be consistent alone, which leads to two alone, three, four, five, on to everybody saying, I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, it's like, it's almost like a diet, but the diet stops, but the consistency accepts you no matter what diet you're on what you look like, what you think like, what you, all of that stuff is, becomes a part of a process that we expected, expected it to be for somebody. You see? Mm -hmm. Oh, y'all better be listening. Now y'all hear why next this question. is the sister that she is to me. Gosh, that was so good. I almost forgot what my next question was about to be because it answered so many things. But me being the type of listener that I am and whoever's going to listen to this being the type of listener they are, there's no, the, the, I don't feel like there's anything that could not be reflected and taken away from with everything that you just said and felt or could be felt rather. So how all this ties into sisterhood. <laughs> oh, snap. We're recording again. So I'm going to jump back to, first of all, I want to say thank you uh, to Rhonda for coming on. Um, I had to separate the segments so that... We have efficient listening, okay? Um, back to this topic. First of all, acknowledging the truth and the lack of unity because of the lack of true blue partnership displayed in our familial um, foundations plays a very large role in how we function within our sisterhood. So my take on that, well actually, before I get into my actual share, I'm gonna touch real quick on the um, practical spirituality part of this episode. Starting with good old astronomy um, and astrology. And just a um, learner's note, if you are into 
uh, learning about the planets and their transits and stuff and the stars and constellations do know that astrology is more so the study of the mythology surrounding the stars and planets and stuff rather than the actual um, mathematic calculations of the energies that we experience through those um, planetary bodies. So, um, I actually think uh, cosmology is the better term because it kind of encapsulates both. Um, So maybe moving forward, you'll hear that come out of my mouth more often. Anyhow, to the point, we deal with, um, if you look at uh, an astrology wheel or a cosmology wheel um, of our sky in the different zodiac points um what you'll find with the within each sign is the opposite each sign has its opposite we call this the um some parts of the of cosmologies some people call it the polar axis of the signs some call it the sister signs sister signs also can refer to signs of the same element which can be water fire air and earth um but also that duality system that pole of energy that is polarized um <laughs> within the sign um simply because the dynamic is about completing the other side of the spectrum right how extremes when you get into the center point of each extreme that everything comes together that's that yin and yang so anyhow say for instance to make it more make more sense i'm a libra um opposite of my sign is aries so that would be my um polar opposite but my exact you see what I'm saying? Because it is the complete inverse reflection of that energy that I most dominantly carry through sun sign. It, it's the com- that's where the completion comes in, right? So I'm gonna run through the signs, each signs, um, real quick, and what the dynamic of their polarities bring. And it all makes sense as I go through the rest of the segments. Okay, okay. <clears throat> so, okay, we'll start with Aries and Libra. Aries uh, and Libra's um, dynamic represents the relationship of self and others, um, which is relationships, period, really. Um, for one, Libra is a sign of partnership, and Aries is a sign of self. Libra is expressed through the um, evolution of learning through others. Aries is expressed through the evolution of learning through the I self. Okay. Um, So next we have Taurus and Scorpio. Taurus and Scorpio. Um... Oh, backtrack real quick. I actually have three Aries sisters, so you know it's real, okay? <laughs> like, if that ain't some literal ass shit, like, man, like there can be com- like uh, a um, 
opposite oppository energy like butting heads but at the same time it all makes sense anyway next Taurus and Scorpio their dynamic is expressed through um well their, yeah their polar dynamics expressed through uh let's see security and loss or rebirth um comfort and discomfort um you know solidarity and then plunging depth um really pleasantary aesthetic versus um guttural raw aesthetic um power dynamic as well so next we have oh and by the way each sign aries is fire sign libra is air sign i'm only doing this so Nobody, whoever listens, you know, you can always backtrack and check in (laughs) with the basic shit. Or you can go to Google. Anyway, um, moving along because I need to hurry up. (laughs) So next is Gemini and Sagittarius. Their polar dynamic is expressed through um, the need for freedom of expression period um gemini is more of the mental aspect and and, um communicative aspect the mind uh being able to go from one state to the next easily pick up one thing and leave it um you know being changeable that is their range of freedom of expression um they like to be have you know everybody knows Gemini's everybody knows Gemini's everybody has an opinion about Gemini and, and everybody that knows Gemini knows Gemini's have their opinions and they leave it at that so Sagittarius can be the per- perfect reflection of that freedom of, or need for freedom of expression through their freedom of their need for freedom of being like they need to be able to explore different parts of life in themselves and everything like that or through themselves rather so they like to they're more so they're is more of the thinking and saying or whatever not saying that they don't do shit or whatever they're not about shit because that's not true at all but on this particular in this particular dynamic um Sagittarius is a fire element energy so they're more likely to be about action um and before the thought see gemini is thought before the action (laughs) sagittarius the action then the thought but their actions is in pursuance of the thoughts which is, is pursued for freedom purposes or sentiments whatever so next we have um cancer and capricorn their polar dynamic is the parental aspect um yes the parental aspect the um responsibility accountability um cancer is a water sign and is denoted more excuse me of the um to rather the great mother um cancer everybody knows them to be crabby or moody emotional or emotionally manipulative people but what mother isn't Mm -hmm. what mother isn't think about that 
Capricorn is the father, of course, the masculine or more so the more um, masculine expressed version of that. So it's all about the tangibles, the security physically, um, how well off one is through the tangibles. Cancer is how well off one is through feeling and being internally secure so that way the outside also is secure Capricorn works in the inverse it's making sure the outside is secure and that bringing enough stability so that the inside has uh, peace next we have Leo and Aquarius the um, the social polar dynamic the eccentric the huge what did i say hu- yeah yeah the huge kind of the humanitarian dynamic um leo is a fire sign um oh capricorn is earth sign leo is a fire sign and leo is about social warmth and territorialness um real just everything that has to do with being prideful or um revered and venerated and all things that have to do with being regal and <clears throat> empirical so that meaning you know sometimes in some leos is expressing you know lavish things or having fancy aesthetic or really particular blah 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 they're really creative people though so they that's how they show their dominance um and that's how they assert their feelings and their virtue in the world is through how creative they can be with securing and socializing and making things their domain safe keeping their domain safe um aquarius is the mental stimuli version of that is um more detached than leo leo's prone prone to being more attached or whatever um Aquarius well I'll say with Aquarius there is a you know a sigma just like how Gemini's have every sign has their stigmas whatever but with Aquarius I've noticed that it's more so about um what they um what am I trying to say uh god I have a brain fart but their antisocial ability or what people take as that and their coldness through that um you know sometimes they really don't care and generally they don't really care that deeply or whatever because they think higher so they know that energy can't be wasted um so they pre- like to be the cause behind the environment being at a certain vibration if that makes sense they um yeah <laughs> their sociability is expressed in that way. Um, their service to humanity is expressed in that way. Just being the one who thinks higher and gathers the information and secures it in, in those realms and expresses the thing, goes in the places that people generally don't want to or can't go because it's odd or awkward or eccentric or whatever. That's also how they express their creative energy, too. So, moving along. Um, Virgo and Pisces, the last. Virgo and Pisces, polarity. Um, 
I relate to service or devotion. They're both that, um, inherently that. And Virgo is an earth sign. You'll see more of the analytical side of service, the gathering of and absorbing and constantly assessing details. So that way, everybody there. So that way, there um, is a pillar of some sort of or being a resource of information, being the one that's there with the answers. Records love to have the fucking answers. <laughs> like they think they have all the answers. A lot of earth signs can be like that actually. I mean they do they do be knowing but they stubborn at the same time, you know. You can't budge them. Um so their service is being dutiful by providing what they feel are the answers whether that's in how they are treating you or how they are communicating with you and whatever but behind it all um well let me not get ahead of myself and in pisces mirrors that by being devoted in um their word of science so it's an emotional and intuitive absorption of information they're emphatic more emphatic than virgo and that's where like that the duality has the difference rather than the likeness because virgos can be way more cutthroat than pisces don't get me wrong that's why you see you do see a lot of hot-headed pisces um people or the pisces that have they have spunk surprisingly have spunk because they're so sweet or seemingly so sweet that's because they can feel shit whatever and they're always trying to relate to the world from a compassionate state and that is how they are devoted and that is their service um as a collective they also are the last in the cycle of the collective so they feel all the shit they feel everybody's shit they have the unconscious lessons of all the signs so that is why it's so easy for them to get triggered or pulled in or try to pull you into the water with them um because to them it's just normal (laughs) um but their Virgo and Pisces duality is also the sign that you see committing more to martyrdom roles too, um, or put themselves in places of that. Um, you know, they can be the signs that be themselves at the most um, on an internal aspect, or they have the breakdowns that you don't see and that nobody knows about. Well, at least Virgo, my Pisces, you might see their tantrums probably, or just. A- quick clap back but yeah so those are the sister axes of the signs and I bring that up because it is something that rule or law of reflection that you can see demonstrated in cosmology through the polar signs you can also apply to those you relate to on a of course, on a human level, but, you know, on a, um, orientative level, on, um, the cis, the cis level, <clears throat> and that's why I bring it up, so, we, let's say, that's really, I guess, the message that I, I'm bringing, <laughs> or my definition that's what I'm trying to say. This is all ties into what my definition of sisterhood is and what it means to me. It's uh, being that reflection that shows up purely and directly as what is needed for the 
other subject to um, be mirrored back for reasons of evolution. Because that's all that is about, the purpose of those dynamics, that whole you complete what I lack and or what I seemingly lack. Because that is the illusion that gets transcended when you relate on that level of consciousness with the law of reflection you when you relate on that level to me I feel like it or at least the times where I have participated in sisterhood in that way you get somewhere and to get somewhere is everything with each other because when we go to places with each other, when we do things and we grow together, it's one thing to on your own. It's another thing to effectively procure your own fucking evolution. In other words, be fucking accountable for how you are showing up and holding space and and um, pouring into yourself and other women. No matter how or what level you feel you relate to them on, or even don't. Because another thing in the duality teachings is that there is really no, there is discernment and there are boundaries, but the likeness is all due to it being a fractal mirror of things. It's not just a replication basically it's not just carbon copied shit that we um give back to one another so one of the questions that i asked for this topic and episode was how do you participate in oh i'm sorry let me i skipped one where is how yeah no i'm I'm sorry, I'm right, <laughs> I didn't skip. How do you participate in sisterhood, or what is your favorite thing to witness about sisterhood, and I think it would be that is um meeting a new face, connecting with another soul, and um thinking like getting excited because I'm like, oh, you're like me in some way, you know what I'm saying. It's like, oh, girl, like, you know, like, say you you had a function or something, or you drunk in the club, whatever, yeah, the, like, those bathroom moments, like, even if you're drunk or whatever, okay, we, we pass the alcoholic inducing environment of the, the thing that lowers, it lowers our walls, right? So, in this instance, it's okay to acknowledge it, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, those drunk bathroom in the mirror with a stranger or whatever moments oh hey girl or you know like i'm fucked up or oh you look so cute that outfit is bomb whatever the case may be like those are the moments those are my favorite moments in sisterhood because it's those moments that as sisters we need we need those moments because we can be so hardened to ourselves, to the world, and to each other. And it truly, truly puts up more... It gives us more work for ourselves And at the end of the day when we do that. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you ever walk down the street and you smile at a sister and she don't even look your way or she don't smile back or something. Or you've ever been that sister 
I ain't saying we all gotta get along and be key, key, key in all the goddamn time, but I'm just saying my favorite parts of sisterhood is when we remember that we are that. And what I feel or how I feel I participate in that is trying, striving to be a constant reminder, even in my own crazy craziness <laughs> and you know i'm not even going to say fucked upness because it's not even that in my own perfection word Rhonda, i strive to always show up in the way the best way that i can even if i don't know how to in the moment i know if, if nothing else i'm gonna be my fucking self and that's that's it you know what i'm saying our sisterhood is um I wouldn't say exclusive to that, but these days it's crucial to how much we accept each other wholly and how much deeply we're accepting ourselves when we show up for each other. Mm. Mad important. So, I mean, it's like obvious that it's important, but there's so many reasons why, though. There's so many reasons why we harden ourselves there's so many reasons why we experience you know or or go through the the denial and the illusions of distorted reflections and just not feeling right not feeling good about ourselves and our our roles to each other and in society in our culture to our people so I'm not going to get into why that is because, like I said, there's so many reasons why. And the thing is with women, like that whole, okay, go into the tidbit of the sign of cancer and it's um, the ode to the divine mother that that energy carries, whether people want to acknowledge it a lot or not. Um, It's the beholder of secrets. We are that we encoded the matrix bitch okay therefore we are the ultimate glitch (laughs) and when we sync up um do you see where i'm getting with this the dismantling of the bullshit that is inevitable when that happens so the proof is in the pudding with that Actually, it's story time. This is going to be a Black Her story tidbit in Ode to the Month that we're in. Um, So, once upon a time, there was an heiress, a queen, in the land of the Ashanti Empire, which is now known as Ghana in Africa. Her name was... (coughs) Mm, okay, hey sis. Her name was Nanaya Ashantiwa of the Ashanti peoples. She was born, she's actually a Libra. Can you believe it? Ah, I was so hyped when I discovered that. <laughs> um, but she was born October 17th and she died October 17th. Can you believe that? Uh, from 18. 18- 20 to 19 was 1840 to 1921 or 20 um is when she passed um from being in exile 
by who? Our good old pale skin cousins. So, let's do the footnotes to the story. Um, so, what had happened was uh, the Ashanti Empire, being as wealthy as it was, made the our pale skin cousins, brothers, and sisters <laughs> mad curious as to why and how that was for so long and especially in the century that it was right because at this point they were just feeling you know that there was we went through the conquistadors and all the shits so they're curious as to the the secret juice behind the ashanti empire right so they come parlaying and prodding and poking and stuff but for a while the ashanti people would not budge because what they beholded was something of a symbolic totem that is called the golden stool the golden stool representing the foundation of the pride the wealth the richness the heritage the strength and security and the bravery of the Ashanti people. So when our cousins found that out, <laughs> they wanted it, of course. They wanted to take it over. And Nanaya Ashantiwa had the dream, the vision that they would indeed do that with the land that was in her family's line of possession or um rather rule um so things started popping off um her brother who was the ruler the king was captured he was captured and exiled by the British and everybody acts shook basically was shook after that like nobody knew what to do and it pissed the fuck off out of Nana um so it got to a point where they're exiling these important peoples and they're you know fighting against it and holding true to their pride and excuse the kids that you might hear playing in the background while I'm recording this but I'm not going to redo it um basically there was a meeting of all the chiefs uh trying to decide what to do because they were finally at a, a um a climax point with this tension and the fact that yo the king is gone so, you would think niggas would rush, right? But there was some sort of, a, some sort of, a, I don't know, I'll call it my in my own way, some sort of a psychic spell that weakened the defenses of the tribesmen and the chiefs and everything to the point where Nana Yashantiwa spoke up and it's a memorable quote apparently where she's saying basically now I have seen that some of you fear to go forward and fight for our king if it were the brave days of Osetutu Okamfo Onokie and Opoku where the first chiefs would not sit down to see their king taken without firing a shot 
no white man could have dared to speak to Chief of Ashanti in the way the governor has spoke to you chiefs this morning. Is it true that the bravery of the Ashanti is no more? I cannot believe it. It can't be. And basically she goes on to call them out and put in her own um, call to duty or call to action. It's basically like, like if you men are too pussy to go and fight for my brother and our land, then I'm going to enlist my ride or die female. I'm going to enlist all the women that I know that are about that life and we're going to fight for it ourselves until the last one of us dies. Unfortunately, well, actually, fortunately and unfortunately, they did fight for years. Um, I forget how many years. Um, I want to say it was in somewhere around the 1930s. The uh, British finally took rule, um, you know, into the government of Ghana, or yeah, formulated that. Um, feel free to fact check me on that part. Um, but this was, of course, a couple years. I believe after um, they captured Nanaya Shantiwa herself, finally. And she died in exile in Seychelles on her birthday. Um, a few other of the chiefs that were also taken into exile remained and were able to assimilate back into Ghana and everything. But of course, nothing was the same. But what she did, though, what she did, though, Do you see the links that she had to go through? And the fact that she had to uphold or rather use the blood, the sacrificial blood of the women of the tribe to get the shit together, to get some sort of progress, to have some sort of defense. I'm not saying this is where we're headed, but where are we now? As a cess, where are we now? Um, also, another history, or yeah, just a fact um, of the the social, like the women of the Ashanti people were they had a, basically um, complementary roles to the men who were in power. So, let's say, for instance, if you had you, uh, um, your husband was a chief or whatever, then you, not even your husband, but, I, no, actually, no, I'm pretty sure I'm the captain of the family, um, because also the um, social classi- classifications in the Ashanti tribe in Ghana um, were matriarchal or matrilineal, rather. So that means that the order was established from the female side of the family, um, primarily. So through that, they had equal standings in things that had to do with uh, legislation and um, thanks to Nanaya Shantiwa, defense and combat and everything that was boiled down to be mad crucial for the enlivening, not enlivening, what am I trying to say? 
just for the and that's the word the endurance of the people period the women had to stand up together for that to happen and in every instance i just seen some, a, a post and i'm gonna be wrapping this up i just seen a post like sometime last week or so um somebody uh, a sister i follow i forgot who it was sorry girl um posting basically it was a quote saying that whether she knows it or not and i'm mean, and i'm paraphrasing whether she knows it or not inadvertently when one woman stands up for herself and her story she does so for all in the many so that's all i'm saying um we understand each other in ways that we don't speak on and don't have to speak on but do we act on it enough is our initiative strong enough within our sisterhood these days to actually start something and be something and have something that all of us can benefit from in the end you can be authentic and be whole and be yourself and have your authentic expression and all that shit and still show up um, without the means for competition. And that actually brings me to, not even competition, but just conflict, period. Um, that brings me to a share from one of my dear sisters, my blood sisters, the youngest of the Aries. <laughs> she had a comment for this topic to share. Um, shout out to my sister, Kiki. Yes, Kiki, do you love me? Are you ready? See? All right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> her share was, on sisterhood was, to just be genuine. If your girl fucking up, tell her. Give her your insight. Ways she could be more successful on any aspect. Share it. Be there for one another through the good and the bad. It's never a competition. That was her tidbit of what she felt the people should know. And that's always a healthy reminder. Because whether we admit to it or not, throughout the hour, what we go through on our own individual stories as women on a day-to-day -day basis tends to let us separate ourselves from each other way more than we actively choose to relate and be there for one another consistently. Way more. The ratio is skewed. I'm sorry. I'm calling it out. I've called myself out. I'm working on it. And that's why I'm the messenger. And that's my participation in sisterhood. Okay. I'm going to let you know. <laughs> um, but, um. How can we be more proactive? Well. You tell me. Because I could say this and that. I could say, I'm going to do this circle and I want you to come. I could say, I'm going to start this venture. And I think your mind and your energy would lend to it greatly. I could say, 
yo, let's get this money. I can say, can I just cry on your shoulder? All these things, right? But it doesn't mean shit if I'm the only one that's saying it. If we're the only ones saying it to ourselves and not to each other. That's why I wanted to do this episode. Um, That's why the motto is to kiss. Because we got to keep it intimate, keep it sacred and simple. And um, I want to thank all the women that I know. Um, I want to remind you to fucking be that, yo. If you don't stop playing, if you don't stop playing, sis, I'm coming for that ass, okay? Be her, because you are her. So we can be us. I love you people. I love myself. Let's get it together. Um, Happy... Asiatic her story <laughs> month <laughs> um, talk to you guys soon stay blessed up and be great hug somebody today peace out